everybody. Welcome to Queer for the Right Reasons, Lesbian Reflections on Bachelor Nation. I'm Viri L. I'm Ann P. And I'm Kim K. And oh my God, we've reached it. We've reached our final episode <sighs> of Paradise, wow. which is just crazy. I'm happy and sad all at the same time. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm very yeah. excited to talk about this finale. Yeah. So first things first, as we always say, we are Bachelor fans. We are huge fans of The Bachelor, but we didn't want to just give you your standard fantastic Bachelor recap podcast. What we're doing here is we're looking at Bachelor through a lesbian lens because we, as big old lesbian fans of The Bachelor, believe that Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise particularly are just appropriating lesbian relationship dynamics. There's a whole lot of processing, which we love to do as lesbies, Talk about our feelings, talk about her feelings, talk about her feelings about our feelings. Uh, also, we like to commit early. You've heard that joke. What does a lesbian bring on her second date? A U-Haul. Well, that's also what a bachelor yep. brings on a second date. And much like the small community of bachelor cast members, our community is small. So we really have a lot of advice to offer these cast members on dating their exes exes. And then finally, anything else we couldn't find a place for, we like to stuff in a crunchy corn gluten-free tortilla and call it fish tacos. That's right. That is what we do. So on this final episode, we got to give one last hurrah to our lovely sponsor, Flagpole. Lovely swimsuits. Beautiful Uh, swimsuits. FlagpoleNYC.com. I love, love, love touching myself when I'm in a... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really in all settings. (laughs) In all settings. But specifically, when I'm in a flagpole suit, I'm just like, ooh, this is so soft and this material is so thick. And I feel like... A mermaid ballerina all the time. I mean, you look like a mermaid ballerina all the time. So it's really (laughs) nice to have a suit that sort of just really speaks to your truest identity. I think that might be my spirit animal, mermaid ballerina. Yeah, mermaid ballerina. (laughs) Get yourself over to Flagpole NYC and see what we've been talking about. And then we'll meet you in a hot tub. You'll know it's us. We'll be the ones in the flagpole suits. With the unshaved legs. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. <laughs> always so unexpected vegetable. combination <laughs> flagpolenyc.com check out their gorgeous suits and uh, share some love for helping us all right guys let's get into it let's do some processing there's more than one answer to these questions pointing me in a crooked line Oh boy. So this week is a very special week because we are going to turn the lens on ourselves. Yeah. I really feel like we've got to do some processing with each other because my biggest fear coming into this podcast was that I would be a bad feminist. Yeah. And that I would make unfair judgments about other women and fall into the tropes of judging women for behavior that I myself hate being judged for. And I will say I have been vocally not a Kaylin fan. You know, I have found her role in the world of reality television feels and seems and appears to me to be a little opportunistic and manipulative. But I was heartbroken watching the interaction between her and Blake. I was saddened by it when I saw him post the text messages But as I've said a million times, these are not actors. They're just not that good. And her emotion was so raw and I felt terrible. I want to look at like what compels us to hate on these women and be haters sometimes. 
Kim, I'm so grateful for you and your self-awareness and the model that you set for all of us and a model that calls us to look at the ways that the insidiousness of patriarchy impacts everything that we think and do and say, but that you're pausing and holding yourself accountable. Thanks for thanks for doing that for yourself and for all of us. We all need to do it, yeah. I think that the important thing to remember about being a good feminist is that like you're going to fuck up and that's okay. It is tough because as we've noted, these are not people we would hang out with on a beach. No. 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 You Although know. we might surprise ourselves and have a grand old time. <laughs> that's true. Look how surprised we were with Hannah B, you know? Yes. As I was watching Kaylin, I was thinking a lot about the Rob Lowe roast of many years ago. In which Ann Coulter, who is, you know, the most despicable conservative, well, you know, I was going to say that there is, except that it's just such a <laughs> deep well now. That bench is packed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a toughie, but she's yeah. not someone, you know, that I beloved. And I watched this roast where she was called the C word like 23 times in an hour. It was, it was insane. And I felt compassion for her. I recognized that it doesn't matter what a woman's politics are. It doesn't matter how she moves through the world. It doesn't matter her experiences versus my experiences. It doesn't matter if she is queer or straight or a woman of color or a woman with a disability. There is a shared experience we are all having, and that is the experience of trying to survive the patriarchy. And my apologies to Kaylin for my pointing to moments in which she disappointed me but I have to just remember that she's also moving through this world with this bullshit thrust upon her and I want to be more compassionate because it was heartbreaking to watch when Blake was sitting there saying if I didn't do that no one would know what she did I was like, ah, like my skin was crawling. It's because he cannot see that already in the world he holds so much more power than she does. Yes. The fact that he claims he didn't know that by publicizing their private interactions and showcasing the fact that this was a woman who was sex positive and who was like, hey, let's just have some fun. His claimed blindness to that reality in this wildly public medium where we've seen many bachelorettes slut shamed i do not regret calling blake a douchebag a hundred times i continue to say that is he is so defiantly ignoring his privilege it's yeah. in fucking yeah. infuriating i i was like yeah. enraged i was also enraged that he i mean i guess they call it the hot seat so maybe it's not a seat of pri- but i was enraged that he was the one who was yes. given the space to talk yes and i'm guessing she didn't want it as she said like i don't i've said everything i want to say but yeah. every part of it was making me furious. I will say that I found myself this whole season feeling a lot more judgmental of the men than the women, which was a first for me. Well, you know what? Actually, it's interesting. I, again, in this like self-reflection and self-processing that I'm doing, I feel like we were so much more compassionate to the men. And AP, I will say, you especially were wildly compassionate. I mean, you're a compassionate person, but so wildly compassionate towards these men that I thought to myself, I wonder if... Part of this comes from the fact that you are now raising a man. My hope is that I was demonstrating compassion and love for everybody on the beach. I mean, I didn't demonstrate that when I called Nicole 
bachelor in paradise's broken <laughs> clock. I'm not proud of that moment. <laughs> I mean, you were, you, I think you were mimicking just something I said. I was, but why did I need to repeat it and be so definitive about it? Or that you hate her shoulder roll. Yeah, I said that. I said all those things. Wait, we're not allowed to not like someone's shoulder roll? <laughs> I think we absolutely are. I think we're allowed I to do that. I think we absolutely yeah. are. Because that's just a yeah. thing. That's a roll. Yeah. That's, yeah. Right, exactly. That's a roll. Bad dancing is bad dancing. <laughs> that is universal. But you did have a lot of compassion for Blake. You did. I did. I did. So much. And the more he looks doe-eyed at me, the more angry I get. I'm sure it's an occupational hazard that you're so compassionate. But <laughs> I think I, I think like it absolutely is. Really it's also I'm very influenced by the tenets of restorative practices, which honor that we all have the capacity to both cause and experience harm. And it's in acknowledging that duality that lives in all of us that true healing can begin. So I'm also very influenced by that. This is Unfortunately, stuff, but what that's doing is it's really destroying our brand as man-hating lesbians. <laughs> I know, but here's the thing. I'm still a real separatist. <laughs> I, I still exclusively want to live in a world populated only by hot dykes. So, so that's there. That's still there. Okay. I might have All compassion right. for them, but I certainly don't want to look at them. <laughs> no. let, let me ask you this to wrap up the processing section. There is a certain element in participating in a show like this and knowing what the entertainment value is, what the system and the mechanism of why we're watching it and how we all interact with it. We are not watching National Geographic, right? We are watching <laughs> Sometimes people... we're watching National Geographic. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm, still... never, I'm never watching it. <laughs> well, There's still... a lot of crabs and raccoons. <laughs> there is. And oh, exactly. Sometimes and we're fish. accidentally sure, watching sure. it. But still, right. as National Geographic, what we would be studying in this display would be human beings who are wired to be entertainers through drama and relationships and sex and all of those things. like these we aren't just watching people i'm not saying they deserve to be publicly shamed at all no i think the takeaway is we too are entertainers and must be right. given compassion for the anti-feminist things that we sometimes say on our feminist podcast i love this kaylin i owe you like a spicy marg I'm sure you live in L.A., so look me up. Well, she's in a van. She absolutely is not living in that van. Just a call to my fellow entertainers, because I like that we're that now. I like that we're entertainers. I wouldn't say we're we're in the entertainment business. Okay, there's that. And everyone yeah. sort of in the listening audience is that just just love on yourself. Be real gentle. We'll be, be very compassionate with yourself because when we're compassionate and gentle with ourselves, we have loads more compassion and gentleness for Kaylin and Nicole and her shoulder roll. <laughs> All right, guys, let's roll on into dating your ex's exes. It's only life after all. Yeah. Something that is new to The Bachelor are these kind of like let the camera roll outside of the staged after the final rose. And I'm always really like jolted when on reality television, which is obviously wildly unreal, that we see real moments. And I think uh, the couple of real moments that we saw in those behind the scenes with Blake and Christina, with Kaylin and um, Dini. And most interestingly with Katie and Chris 
were to me really fascinating and gave me kind of like a totally new perspective on these people. One obviously pointed to the affirmation of my prediction that Christina will spend the rest of her life (laughs) pouring her emotional labor into supporting an unworthy man. Yeah. We talk a lot as feminists about like performing our gender. We talk yep. about performing our happiness. There's obviously so much work put into performing these narratives of love for us. And then seeing, I guess let's specifically talk about the Chris and Katie part of it. I was so deeply heartbroken to hear that yeah. Katie, who I have found to be so authentic, admit that her performance on the tell-all was influenced by the way that she felt seen on the show, that she felt like she came off as desperate. And what did he expect her to do? That broke my heart. I experienced him as very emotionally negligent. Yes. And also, I always question when, um, and I really think your point about performance needs to be mixed in here, but when Mm -hmm. someone is conspicuously emotionally negligent on national television with like the glare of lights making the gray in his beard shimmer what is he then like in private does he dial it all the way up like if he's comfortable sharing this emotional negligence in front of hundreds of thousands of people what is he like at home it was just with too much ease that he boxed her out. I can't tell if it is that he is so deeply emotionally unavailable and negligent. You know what I mean? That like he has fallen for this woman and knows that she's special and clearly had some deep emotional moments because of it, but is so uncomfortable with showing that emotion that not only is it making him appear to us as a just total fucking dick, but also appear to her as just wildly unavailable and uninterested and dismissive and emotionally negligent. The harder part is hearing her say that she has watched her friends do this. And she has always told them to never do this. And then she proceeded to do it at the end of that sentence. So it was real hard to watch. I have been in that relationship. I mean, you guys have watched me in that relationship probably three to four times yeah I mean I was in that relationship as well I think that I my heart was hurting for her when at one point she said to him I'm not trying to put you on the spot and just watching her doing the emotional labor while being broken by the emotional labor and and then apologizing that labor and then apologizing I was just like I had such love for Katie in that moment because I have absolutely been there you want it to work so bad Demi talked about it on Ellen today uh she discussed worrying about the two of them and Katie specifically Mm -hmm. so that is in the ether we are all feeling quite uneasy anything else about behind the scenes specific to Blake my soft spot I thought again it did feel like maybe these producers are continuing to write this story that Blake is hurt and kind and lovable when Kaylin didn't get the same complexity to her story I agree. And I think it's so interesting to me because Chris Harrison said, wow, I've never seen somebody fall from grace so fast. You know, like he came off of Becca's season beloved and Kaylin came off of Colton's season despised. And she needed to kind of walk into paradise and rebuild. And I think knowing that I framed a lot of her interactions as 
an effort to do that. And they very well may have been, but that doesn't negate the very real consequences of her experience. And I understand double standard. I can't negate the real consequences of Blake's, but it's just fucking different because that's how power works. Yeah. (laughs) And he just moves through the world with more power than she does. And the consequences to her sexual experiences and the consequences to his sexual experiences are very, very different. And he can't see that. Dig it. Hate it. Hate it. But dig what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. All right, guys. Let's roll on into U-Hauling. I want to talk about family approval as a non-negotiable for streets. Yes. 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 We've said this once, twice, or 40,000 times. (laughs) There is no singular queer experience. Mm -hmm. But what I am consistently amazed by, because this show leads me to believe that there is a more monolithic straight experience. And because I know a very thin slice of straight people, (laughs) I get most of my straight knowledge from this program. Oh, boy. (laughs) When Hannah G and Dylan, when they were declaring their undying love for one another there was not just they're falling in love no they were actually loving yeah love yeah they found love you elling each other yes yeah there was a non-negotiable that family approval family consent family meeting was central and they also led me to believe that i think it was hannah g that was making this point that if her family didn't love dylan as much as she does, then she would walk away from this relationship. And that is an experience that is so (laughs) weird to me. Well, you know why? Because often just being ourselves means we have to walk away from our families. Exactly. A more kind of pervasive queer experience than that of the like, let me get my dad's permission is the I've come out and now I'm kicked out experience. Even if they're like super loving and like P-flag waving types. They still may not be down with the queer marriage equating your relationship with the same degree of seriousness that they equate perhaps your straight siblings relationships. I feel like I've seen this many times. As queer folks, not universally, but there is a period of time in our relationship with our parents that we are closeted. Yeah. Yeah. Even for the likes of Kim K, who really busted out of that closet (laughs) early and enthusiastically. But there's still a tiny period of time where we are closeted to our parents. And I have deep, deep love for my parents, but I don't necessarily feel like they know the sort of partner that is best for me. I am much more able to make that judgment for myself it's very different if someone really perceives a potential partner as toxic as abusive as a deadbeat but I think like if my parents have some like they're just not real jazzed about my partner I would be like okay you're not jazzed about them Keep it moving. How could that be the case? But yeah. I mean, obviously, I am partnered with the world's most likable human being. But I, on the other hand, am an acquired taste. (laughs) (laughs) But to like, that's the thing. So like, if my parents weren't jazzed about my partner, that would not at all be a non-negotiable for me. I think my parents know me quite well. And so I 
have learned to trust my mother's gut. My dad will love anyone I love, but my mother and I, I think, are so close that I do trust her judgment, but I would never expect anyone to ask her permission to propose If I ever found myself in sort of an alternate universe yes, where I was on this program, yes. the person that I was crushing on, if we reach the point of hometowns, and if they ask either of my parents for their permission to propose to me, that's my immediate deal breaker. That's <laughs> that an immediate deal breaker. That's it. That's an end. I'm like, you don't even understand anything basic about who I am. You're a monster. Goodbye. Speaking of you're a monster. Goodbye. Do we want to give five seconds to Nicole and Clay? Wow. They were just literally swept under the carpet like nothing ever happened. I think that the show made a big mistake investing so much time in them. I think the producers were kind of counting on this to become something. They had the Angela Clay thing and the backstory. And I think they all came off looking bad. Like they all did. Nicole, she kept saying, I'm just so blindsided. Why? He has told you again and again that he's scared and not ready. And And that he's starting to feel like he might be able to someday possibly. Fall in, fall in love possibly fall in love which we now understand is not the same thing as love so <laughs> we've only recently come to understand it because this is a new language to us but these straights it's their native tongue it is their native tongue much like the tell-all we were going to forget them as well i mean their superlative in the yearbook of paradise is like least to be remembered <laughs> <laughs> all right we've got to spend a little time in you hauling before we get into our fish tacos talking about demi and christian our oh, girls. We can only spend a little bit of time barry Please. sorry i think we have um, to spend like three and a half weeks <laughs> <laughs> Buckle in, listeners. You know, we have been saying again and again that Demi should absolutely not propose and she should enjoy being 24 <laughs> and fucking one. I've said women. that. And yet, and yet, I was weeping. I was yes. so happy Aww. for them. First of all, even before the proposal, I was thinking, you know what? You you know what's coming ahead of you, Demi, if you let Christian go? A lot of lesser lesbies. She is a catch. There are so many terrible lesbians out there. I've dated at least 85% of them. And Christian is a keeper. Yeah. She was looking oh, more well, stunning looking good, yeah. every episode. She just got more attractive to me. She's got the coolest, most real vibe I've ever seen on reality television. You show. love her real vibe. I do. Did you know she's an ordained minister? I did. I did. Who? What? Why is it ordained minister? I mean, she better officiate your wedding. I have (laughs) to give it up. We need Christian. There was just that little moment where she was hugging Chris before she went down to the beach. And her vibe, I'm telling you, it just felt like Chris and her were two real chilling folks hanging out. Just being like, you ready for this? Yeah, I am. Right on, bud. Like, it was just very different. She's got a whole different aura about her, which I dig. I'm a real fan of Christians, but Kimmy, I'm going to stand up for the dykes. There's a lot of us out there. There's a lot of (laughs) Christians out there. We're not all nightmares. You don't mean a lot of Christians with a C. You mean a lot of Christians with a K. I mean a lot of Christians with a K. Of course, I never use the word Christian with a C, ever, never. Listen, you two found your person many, 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 many moons ago. Many, many less moons ago. You have not been down the hard and treacherous 
path that I have yeah. of yeah. dating. Yeah, your road has been much people. rockier than ours. Yeah. Correct. And yeah. I fear in the circles that Demi travels in that there could be some real losers that in is her true. future. And you don't want to regret giving up the best thing you ever had. I mean, as we have learned... Viri L found the best thing she was ever going to have at 24. So who's to say it's true. that Demi it's didn't true. as well? No, absolutely. This could really take a Viri L plus D <laughs> path. They could be they could it be totally starting on that path. That could, could be, be happening right now. They got engaged and 14 years later, they yep. might finally, finally get hitched. Yeah. They, well, that, that's a, generous. Kim, that's that generous. Is, that is what I wish for Christian and Demi is a nice, long Viri L inspired engagement. That's what we're doing. Can we just pause for a minute and talk about when Chris Harrison chose to say the word queer? Thoughts? Our queer queen. Demi tweeted, I am your queer queen. So I think she had already kind of given permission for him to say that. But that's my question. Like, what came first? What came first? This is when I'm I'm like, I'm just emerging as like my lesbian separatist. And I was like, uh, (laughs) get that word out of your mouth, straighty. I'm pretty sure she adopted it first. I encourage all of our listeners to please read the New York Times article. Yeah, it was wonderful. Christian. Yeah. I had the lowest expectations for this show in terms of handling this. And I have been wowed again and again by the way in which it was handled and by these two incredible women and how they handled it. Absolutely. Can we talk about the double les proposal? Was it radical? Was it not? What was that about? Was it just a double Neil Lane marketing opportunity? I mean, always. How great was it that Christian got a kind of bushy ring? (laughs) (laughs) Butchy rings. It was a butchy ring. She didn't have to wear some like big old diamond circles around diamonds around diamonds crusty ballerina ring she got like a butchy ring and i was so excited this is me completely projecting on christian but i'm sure christian always imagined proposing to someone and so i think she loved being proposed to but that she also had this is the point in the episode when very l identifies with christian i like (laughs) i never dreamed of having a wedding i dreamed of proposing that's what i dreamed of my whole life i love that about you i think that that could have been something that christians always wanted to do and that can go either way when you're talking about two lovely ladies and it can go either way for anybody of course i'm just saying in this (laughs) space it was such a absolutely accessible wonderfully celebrated act that nobody questioned i was moved both times yes yeah AP, you hate marriage, so... I do. I hate it all. Like, I don't have, like, (laughs) much, as everyone on this podcast knows. I'm mostly a monster, and I don't have a single romantic bone in my body. That is not true. (laughs) That is mostly true. Like, as an example, it was 11 years ago today... That I met my person, oh. which also happens to be that Kim. I was there. This is our meetiversary too. This is our meetiversary. This is our meetiversary. Happy meetiversary, Kimmy. Happy meetiversary. <laughs> I should have sent you some Dunkin' Donut holes and some number two pencils. Oh, I would have loved that. Listeners, if you're wondering, they met at a speed dating. Sure event. did. Lesbian speed dating. Lesbian speed dating. For lesbians who speed date. Of course, I wasn't moved by it. Absolutely. I'm so predictable. (laughs) I thought for sure your cold, ironclad, 
lesbian no. heart no. would have cracked a little. It remains cold. Yeah, but Ann P, this isn't about them getting married. Until Chris is officiating their wedding next season, I don't think that this is something that was about the institution. Well, that's because you do not equate an engagement with any I timely I nuptials, as we've learned. I don't. It's like Viria. She's like preparing like the ground meat and the bun and the cheese and the tomatoes. This isn't about hamburgers. Like that's that's what, it. like, like that is, that everyone is else in the world thinks it's about hamburgers. Okay. Okay. But it's not me. No, exactly. Everybody always goes, oh, my God. Well, what happens if I get engaged? I'm like, then you're engaged forever. It's great. Who cares? It's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I'm shouting that I love my partner from the rooftops. It's irrelevant. We're going to spend the rest of our lives together, whether we're married or not. So I get to like yeah. have a big fun day and take all my friends on an adventure and get on a date. such a fun day. You're right. I'm wired very differently. So be it. Well, listen, like a Katherine Heigl movie, I was weeping. <laughs> and we're all still friends. Before we leave this moment, I just wanted to bring up a couple other quotes that Demi said that I really loved. My favorite thing that Demi said was when she admitted that she had a fantasy of Blake and Chris Harrison hooking up at Stagecoach. Oh, oh. (laughs) And then when she said, did I just make it weird? I was like, absolutely not. We were screaming at the television. Us too. Us too. too. My favorite thing Demi said was, act civilized, this is a TV show. My other favorite thing that she said was when she was sitting with Christian and she said, I mean, I was made for paradise because it's so true. (laughs) Demi was made for paradise. Now that Demi and Christian have done the hard work of busting this dyke door open, I just want to watch shows about new lesbians. I just want more like it's like a fire hose of lesbian content. It's like I got those two. I just want more and more and more. All right, you guys, let's get into fish tacos. I don't want to eat them this time. What we need to crunch down on is is structural anti-black racism. Uh, we will be posting on our Facebook page the event <laughs> for the march. <laughs> the march for Mike Johnson. Because this is a fucking outrageous. This is the only thing that has provided me with any degree of comfort. Is that Mike Johnson asserted his agency and said no. So that's my hope. That's like the only thing that's keeping me standing. The idea that, that he did that or you know it? The idea that he did it. I have no idea. No, Again, okay. I don't know how hoping, the internet works. Okay. She's hoping that that's what happened. I mean, possibly because he's dating Demi Lovato, right? But right. unfortunately, I think the reality mm, is that this is ABC and they historically have refused to mostly cast people of color as their leads on this show. Yeah. Which is crazy because in their scripted programming, they've had great oh, yeah. success with having people of color in lead roles. Yeah. I would like Shonda to make a stink. Please, oh, yeah. Cause she, has, she has power on that network. The sting of it is that it's Peter, right? Because if it was Derek, mm. we could be having a really thorough debate about how they tailored yes. the campaign to get them each there. But the fact that it's Peter, it is. pure offensive. Joey faced Peter who names his BMW and keeps condoms in the console. Ew. He's the most... He's the most white... He's the whitest person. He's the whitest whitest person person. in America. Yeah. 
And the fact that he then dug in, this was what even just like infuriated me more, that that the conversation surrounded that because he has this incredible model of a mother and a father who have been married and together for 30 years, he knows what he's looking for and that's what he wants. And you juxtapose that with Mike, who was raised by three women without a father. It just felt too fucking on the nose and it just grossed me the fuck out. Which is insane after having the season they just had with not only Hannah B, but then this queer couple after such a progressive two seasons. It's like they just jumped a decade back. It's like our government. What happened? It's awful. And and for me, what is so sickening, there is this incredible contrast between Peter and Mike, because I don't think there's any comparing them in terms of looks. And there is certainly no comparing them in terms of personality. No, absolutely. Or smile. We might have some queer blindness here because I was texting with one of the 13 straight people that I'm friends with. (laughs) And this friend, she said, I like Peter. He has no personality, but a nice face and a smoking bod for windmill sex. I see neither the nice face or the smoking bod, but that's because I'm a les. So that's like, so maybe we're missing that. But I don't think that's because you're a les. As a les, I can look at Connor's body or yes. bo- and be like, that is fucking crazy. That you is know? something. I have about seven straights too. And so I <laughs> can tell you that a good friend of the podcast and a huge friend of Bachelor Nation, she tells me Peter is it. He is marriage material. Even oh. on Hannah's season, she was like, that's the guy. That's the guy that you marry if you're looking for a dude to marry. No. But it's also so problematic because black men are never cast as marriageable because of mm-hmm. all the these anti-black racist tropes that exist about black men completely ignoring the origins of these tropes one thing that i'm also so incensed about is that i'm a high-end lady so i occasionally read vanity fair and in this article Chris Harrison describes why Peter was selected and he said you have to lean towards what is going to be the best television show what will keep everybody entertained employed and keep this train moving in the right direction that to me is some structural anti-black racism because you are saying that the best television couldn't possibly be led by a I mean, I feel dynamic, gorgeous, kind, generous, intelligent, beautiful black man. I can't. Yeah. He's also entirely too good for this entire franchise. That's true. We knew this was coming. And yet still, I am so angered. Let's kick into a couple final fish tacos. I'll tell you what was my own personal real lesbian moment watching the show is that... I mean, because they're most of what they're saying is so asinine, I tend to daydream a little bit. And I spent a lot of time wondering what happens to all those pretty bromeliads that they were decorating the set with and wondering <laughs> if there's like some lesbian crew member who gets to take them home, you know, to her like her yard. Her, I know she doesn't know. You're, she's a reality TV. She doesn't have a yard. She's a reality TV producer. She's lucky if she doesn't live in a box truck. But uh, I'm hoping that in her like really depressing North Hollywood studio apartment, she has like all these leftover plants from the show. <laughs> Let's take two seconds to talk about Wells' gender reveal. Oh, God. The second thing that I found. That was bad. 
unbearable. In fact, that whole little segment of like, let's celebrate that you had kids. And also the fact that the presumption is always that these people are going to have children. It's why I really dig Caitlin Bristow. She's just like not jumping on that damn train. You know She's I mean? likable. She's really given the middle finger to the franchise a lot of the time and still raking in the dough from her time <laughs> as the bachelorette. You know, there are plenty of straights who have no interest in it. And that's yeah. never even considered as a possibility. Yeah. And then beyond that, obviously, as queer folk, gender reveals are the fucking most oh icky thing ever. The worst. Ever. Ugh. These dummies don't understand the difference between sex and gender. 100%. I really wish they would have called it for what it was. We're going to have now a sonogram penis or vagina reveal. <laughs> and, then, penis. and then there'd be like a little disclaimer that says, although this, this fetus shows that there is a vagina, there is the possibility that this child is intersex. I call it as being born a redhead. I love this. A lesbian gender reveal party would just... Uh, Maybe you You'd place bets on like, okay, well, what do you think this kid's gender will be at age 10? What do you yeah. think this kid's gender will be at age 15? What do you think this kid's gender will be at age 20? I like that. That would be fun. That could be a fun baby shower game. A gender reveal party needs to be scheduled like a birthday party because it, it's like absolutely <laughs> dynamic. I mean, not for all of us. Me, mine's real set. Me too. But like, that's how you schedule it. Mm -hmm. I like it. Absolutely. Let's check back in with Carly and Evan in years 5, 10, 15, yes. 22. And then, Wells, get ready in that cake each and every time. <laughs> every time. An appropriate onesie. That's good. Uh, Let's do that. I've got something for fish tacos for all of our listeners. Our very own Viriel won a motherfucking Emmy this weekend. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Boom. And you just thought you were listening to a bunch of idiots. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, last week I said that if Viri won the Emmy for this movie she edited, that she would have to give it to the editors of The Bachelor because yeah, they are the most that. spectacular editors <laughs> in the world. And then blow your mind i found out that i am one degree of separation away from the ed editor of the bachelor what so polish that statue oh pack it up well it was a wild ride so thank you for that shout out let's get into our most lesbianic moment oh i'm ready with mine oh go ahead oh, kim k you go first go for it my most lesbianic moment was that home birth Oh, <laughs> I love that. I'm sorry, but like there's, there's nothing more lesbianic than a home birth. That's and true. it was in a closet. I mean, my God, my That's one true. of my godchildren was uh, had a had a quick delivery in the car yes. on the way Ooh. to the airport. Yeah. I myself watched my first home birth when I was, I think, like eight, <laughs> eight or nine. Of course and you did. it was my job to clean up the placenta afterwards. Wow. That's what they put the kids on. That was, uh, that was our job. Clean it up. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. You guys, have you, have you guys watched a home birth? I have not. No. no. Well, get ready. Yours is coming. Uh, <laughs> Not at home, I think. But we'll see. <laughs> well, you never know. You never and know. And if it happens, Depends. apparently I have to film it right away on my yeah. phone. Yeah, so please I can do. Share exactly. it please, please do. Don't yeah. be present at all. Just film it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My lesbianic moment is a very small, small nod 
somewhat to the proposal land. So Ann P, get get excited again. Oh God! My lesbianic moment is the idea that when Demi proposed to Christian, Christian immediately got down on her knees to be on Demi's level. Oh yes, and I thought that was beautifully yes. lesbianic because they are equals in their understanding of power in this world. That's so- that it. softened my heart a bit. Yes. Also, yes. I mean just. Christian's outfits through the oh whole my. episode oh were my. dope. I want every dope. one of those pantsuits. <laughs> my most lesbianic moment is, I think, unexpected and has actually already been mentioned once. Mm, I'll take it. In this conversation. I think there is a small segment of lesbians who love the idea of two dudes getting it on. Mm. (laughs) So that's why I was real pleased to hear that both Demi and I have the same fantasy that Blake and Chris Harrison have gotten it on. So (laughs) I know we've already mentioned that, but I it bears repeating. Absolutely. I feel like we're all mostly turned on by sexual experiences that are not our own like yes every lesbian i know watches either gay male porn or straight porn i mean i guess also like our lesbian porn tends to be shitty and unrealistic yes but like dudes obviously they love some lesbian porn i feel like straights watch a lot of gay porn yeah all right guys oh well speaking of porn this is it are we going to abandon our fans? We are not abandoning our fans. We will be back when The Bachelor comes back. Perhaps in January? In January. We're not going to do anything in between. We may have a few bonus episodes along the way for sure. What you need to do is you need to subscribe on iTunes and all of the all the platforms we're on so that you know when those lovely little presents show up. Do it. In the meantime, I hope you all run out, get yourself a flagpole suit. That's right. When you take your holiday vacation to someplace warm or when you're skiing and you need to dip into that hot tub (laughs) post-ski. Oh, yeah. Post-ski. Nothing better than a hot tub in the snow. Nothing better. Yeah. I have faith that our listeners are all right now typing into the interwebs www.flagpolenyc.com and getting themselves a babe suit. Thank you, Flagpole, for helping us out on our very first season ever of Queer for the Right Reasons. We will be back for, oh, Peter. Tune in as we groan for an entire <laughs> season of Bachelor. <laughs> so true. But man, has it been a fun ride? This has been the best kickoff ever. We have a lot of listeners who don't even watch Bachelor in Paradise. So it's been very, very fun to kick this off right. I think that most of the fans we hear from are neither lesbians nor nor do they watch Bachelor. This is true. (laughs) Because we're just that good. We're just that irresistible. So you can keep up with everything by going to QueerForTheRightReasons.com. We're on social media. On Twitter at QFTRR. On Instagram at Queer for the Right Reasons. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, you name it. And even though we're going to slow down over the next couple of months, don't hesitate to reach out to us. QueerfortheRightReasons at gmail.com. Perhaps you could even give us the topic or reason why we should be hopping on the mics in the interim. Listen, there's many a people spread of uh, a bachelor wedding that we could dissect. Some reason to get back on the mic. If not... Then we will see you in January here and queer. Oh, yeah!